What is up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt, and this is... Jeremy Price. Today, we are going to interview and talk with AJ Garrett, local musician here in Roanoke. What is up, AJ? Thanks for being here, dude. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? Good, man. Good, man. So today, we're going to talk about our beat. Our beat is what we're going to talk about. Is um, We're going to talk a little bit about rock. We're going to talk a little like uh, that alternative... Uh, what were you calling it earlier when we were talking to you? Alternative, uh, the style uh, of music? Just po- uh, pop punk. Pop, pop yeah. punk. And uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of other things. But um, first, we got we to gotta get this brew in our bodies. You sent me a message and you said. I did. He, our guy is an, an IPA guy. I'm not an IPA guy anymore. When I learned to like beer and I had to learn, it was a process. I found myself liking IPAs and I disappeared, so. What I do love is Devil Devil's Backbone, mm. and apparent, so I'm hoping they can pull me back to the IPA train. But I got the Devil's Backbone Juicy Magic. Have you had this one? No, no, I haven't tried it before. Sweet, that's even better. Yeah, brand new. Well, thanks for coming, AJ, and we crack them now. Pop them. Oh yes. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just can't have more than one. They got a bit flowery for me, a bit potpourri, if I had to say. It, it you know, it's it's. I think perfumey is like a good good, mm. but that's what mm. I like about it. You know, like if you take if you take the most offensive dark coffee, that's going to be my favorite, and that's what I kind of like about IPAs. Is they're kind of like that's fair, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair because I'm not a beer connoisseur at all. So like that's why I get Jeremy like Jeremy take care of this beer because they like beer. If it's I, a beer guy, he's like I, a beer. I'm like, I right, like I whiskey. It. I can do whiskey and I can do other things. But that's, about, <laughs> that's about it. So um, AJ, you are the lead vocalist and rhythm guitar player and songwriter for the sci-fi inspired rock outfit, The Bureau. Um, as a lover of sci-fi movies and punk rock, AJ works with the Bureau and is inspired by flying saucers and vintage guitar licks. Freaking love it. <laughs> AJ um, moved to the Roanoke area uh, in uh, 2011 uh, and has participated in Roanoke's music scene in multiple facets, from playing in bands to becoming the uh, music chair of Roanoke's Festival in the Park, which is where I had met you, yeah, and we've never right. really talked other than through email and just when you introduced my group a few years ago. But, man, welcome to the show, dude. Yeah, thanks. I'm super excited to be here. You know, it's kind of funny. We have spoken, but it was always as either your group was getting off and mine was coming on or vice versa, <laughs> mine was coming off and yours. That's right. Hi, Travis. Bye, Travis. Hi. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice to see you, uh, Mr. Garrett, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the nitty-gritty. So, yeah. well, wait, I got a question. Do it. You moved here in 2011? Yeah. From where? It's funny. It, it makes it sound like I'm from like Los Angeles or something, but uh, New, <laughs> Newcastle. It's 45 minutes from here. But oh. if I say oh. if I say Craig County, it, the people that do know it are like, oh, God. And the one And most people don't, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like. I a, understand that. We love Craig Countyans, too, here on this show. So listen to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What we're, what we're saying. Um, Did you go to that high school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Graduated 2011. Nice. Oh, and then just moved down here. And what what did you start doing there? I mean, other than music. Yeah. So I, you know, I, Roanoke. Like you know, when you live in Craig, there's nothing out there. You know, if you want to work, if you want to, you get your groceries. You you go to Roanoke to do that. And it just seemed uh, it seemed like the logical next step. Like oh, I'm out of high school. I guess I'll wander to the next biggest town <laughs> and hang out there and yeah. loiter in this city for a while. But um, did, did you loiter? No, no. Oh, thankfully, fair. I never. I, mean, I never. Okay, if you did. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> 
I definitely plagued a few coffee shops when I got here and they're like open mic nights. But uh, no, you know, I was going to Western for a little while and uh, I, I had a few part time jobs and just kind of balanced those. And uh, I feel like same with a lot of people, just kind of living and breathing and earning money while you do it. There was no mission goal when I got over here. There hey, was, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. A lot of us start out that way. <laughs> um, so because you moved to Roanoke, talk, I, we want you to talk about your um, the music that you play and uh, perform here now and like how that impacted the culture around here in the Roanoke Valley. I mean, you said you were playing pop punk. Um, so we right. were talking earlier, um, panic at the disco, yeah. uh, my chemical romance, green yeah, day, those are the, those yeah, yeah. green day. You know, those are things that pop in my mind, uh, when you, when you say pop punk personally too. Right. Yeah. So, um, tell, tell us uh, how that journey started and has shaped your passion to create music here. You know, it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> like, uh, I, when, when I was little, like I, I pretty much listened to anything that was on the radio. But my, my aunt, I remember one day she popped in uh, a disc that kind of changed everything. You know, I was looking, I was like, American idiot. What does this, what does this mean? What is that? And uh, when she popped it in, you know, I'll never forget the, the opening riff for American Idiot uh, played. And it's been pop punk since then. I mean, obviously I listen to other things. But that, I remember seeing Billy Joe Armstrong um, and, and thinking like that. That's that's what I want to play, you know. Like all of a sudden, like oh, I like rock music now. This is what I want to do. I mean, I grew up on ACDC and everything, but yeah. um, you know, kind of coming over to Roanoke with uh, the pop punk influence. You know, it starts with Green Day, branches out to other things. My parents are into a lot of oldies, so I kind of picked that up as well. But getting over here, it was kind of odd. I, I didn't really meet a lot of peers that kind of had that. Um, I guess those sensibilities in music. There was a lot of college folk on the radio at the time, and there wasn't much of a... There was a scene here, I think, like in the 90s, but after that it kind of decayed, and there wasn't much going on in the area. And I ran into uh, two guys in my first year of college at Virginia Western that were uh, pop-punk aficionados and, you know, big Blink-182 and Green Day guys, and uh, we put together a little band, a goofy-ass band called <laughs> Rage in Love, and we played together for a while, um... And I kind of got to know a lot of local musicians through them and going out and playing shows with our college and everything. Um, and that's kind of when, you know, the Bureau came into play shortly thereafter. We split up with the first band and started with the Bureau in 2015. And a lot of the people that I had met in the in the community from the time I had in the first band, I was able to kind of network to them. And that's kind of how that band got started. So did and, you start uh, with the solo shows uh, here in town? Or did you play when you were in high school? Um, well, yeah, we were... <laughs> I had a band when I was in high school. It was also very heavily, you know, Green Day inspired back when I was like 15 and 16 called uh, 1016. And that, I think it was kind of funny. We wanted, we got a lot of complaint calls to my mom when we were practicing that we were too loud. You know, they're <laughs> raising hell in your backyard, these heathens, you know, you need to raise these kids right. And uh, 1016, we thought was the dispatch code for domestic disturbance. Uh, so that's what we named ourselves after. It wasn't until like a year later we realized that it was actually the dispatch code for domestic violence. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. So that was always fun to, you know, but that that is kind of where it started. But there, when I did get to Roanoke finally and I was kind of on my own and out from under my parents' roof, uh, it was a lot of like solo coffee shop 
stuff and open mic nights and everything until I was able to, that's where I started meeting people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the friends I have today, I met for the first time back then in 2011. God, it's been a minute. So no, I mean, that's, that's 10 years ago, dude. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, um, so coffee shops, uh, did you do acoustic stuff or what, what were you doing? It was mainly acoustic stuff. Yeah. Um, I think one time I had this busted Stratocaster that I would, I, I brought it to one coffee shop show and it just didn't, the intonation was awful. It'd been you, the guitar had been to hell and back at that point because you first guitar when you're 16, you're not easy on it, you know. <laughs> and it's also not at the price tag for you to be. You can beat on it a little bit, and it's covered in stickers. But I, I did that once. Uh, it was mostly acoustic stuff. Occasionally, someone with a cajon would come up and, oh, cool. and join. And but it was uh, it was it was less about the performance and more about the mingling. Um, I was just excited to sink my teeth into. Uh, there was access to musicians here that weren't we didn't have back home. Sure, so, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so you started meeting people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. none of the guys in your your group now came came from home. No, Mm-mm. no. That's cool. That's interesting. No, I met them all, all here. from here in Reno. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I know that the guitarist is. I'm pretty sure the drummer is. Yeah, all three of them actually are from Roanoke. I just want to make sure I remember that. I don't remember their birthdays. Guys, I think can, they're from you Roanoke. You can get them later. Yeah, no, no. We can, we can edit this out. We can edit this out. No, there's no editing. No, there's no. The, <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't even seen the gauntlet. Soon. Uh, it's coming. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> it says uh, gauntlet right here in my notes. Yeah, it does. It does. It's coming from me. Uh, I'm going to need another beer. You got one. You That's got why we gave you two. Yeah, um, so, so with this pop punk What's that like playing that here in Renup? You know, uh, sometimes it, it's crazy when we go out and play shows as a pop punk group in 2022. Uh, I think we remind, I think people forgot about it. And then when we play, a lot of folks kind of tune back in, you know, like, oh, yeah, I forgot this existed. Like, oh, they're playing I'm Not Okay by Michael. Mc- I remember that, you know, I was back in my super emotional days in high school when Jeremy wouldn't talk to me and I would write about him in my journal at night or whatever, you know, like I, I used to listen to this stuff and talk about how my parents didn't understand me and all this, this angsty <laughs> teen stuff. Um, but people, it seems like people forgot it. It kind of left the collective consciousness music wise. And it's, uh, nostalgia gets bred so much faster now into people. I think than it used to be like oldies you know it's oldies are 40 years ago well then it's 30 years ago and for our generation it's 10 years ago apparently like that that's the that's classics a, now. i mean you're opening up a can of worms yeah that, <laughs> I, that i don't think we've talked about or, we or but uh it's it's you know the age of information yeah circulation and it's right here i, I think that's a great way to to um, put it and I might steal that I steal something from every guest that we have Take I might steal that it just happens so much faster and I was going to interrupt you and say it's going to come back it's going to come back and it's going to be just as strong and and appreciated what I've noticed about that like um, <clears throat> there's a lot of funk going on now we're talking like highly compressed Stratocasters funk guitar Corey yeah. Wong probably inspired this but it never really left and that's not to take anything away from Corey Wong he's really good at it I love the fact that people can dive into something um almost exclusively and just make it even bigger and better than it was. It's probably on its way back and quicker. And that's kind of, you know, there's always this uh, sort of sadness, you know, I feel like we fell in between 
the the bucket where it's like we were a little too young to take part in a lot of the pop punk that was huge in the early 2000s late 90s um mm. i mean you had like the pop punk explosion in like the early 90s and everything but i'm talking about like our generation sort of like late mtv pop punk you know that was right. kind of done and over with by the time we were of age and by the time it comes back around we'll have a little too much age well <laughs> let me know. let me ask you this just for my we can say it's from my education. Like, so say I don't know you from Adam and we're having a beer at a bar. What is pop punk? Where does it start for you? And where does it, I, I'm not going to say where does it end for you, but where does it start for you? The concept or the music? Or the music. The music itself. Um, it's not a trick question. I, I just want to know where it starts for, you know, generationally speaking, it's going to be a little bit. Like, I listen to Green Day. My friend, my best friend in life, uh, TJ, introduced me to Green Day, and I didn't like that kind of music. And that was in 1995, and I was like, I kind of like this. And I don't know if I liked him or that or the combination, but I liked it. Every, so yeah. I would say that, but what's your version? But, you know, it's interesting, though, because, like, I feel like I kind of got a dual education on pop punk. You know, I got I got it from my angle and, like, my generation where, like, Blink-182 was already kind of running into neighborhoods and, you know, that, what, I think it was, like, 2003. I forget. I forget. They had one self-titled. It was, like, 2003. I think neighborhoods came later. But that was kind of my... Uh, I miss you and uh, after midnight and stuff like that, you know, that's kind of where I fell into it. Whereas, you know, my stepdad, you know, he listened to a lot of Blink in high school. And so like when I was 13, he gave me a copy of Cheshire Cat. And, you know, yeah, I listened through some of that. And, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, my God, this sounds awful (laughs) compared (laughs) to some of this new stuff. I think it was meant to not sound that was the appeal. amazing. Yeah, I think that was part of the appeal and part of the culture. Well, it's part of you know, it's a, it's. I think it's lashing out at uh, pretty more contemporary music. Like, uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's kind of like punk's kind of like a poor man's rock and roll in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Is kind of how I think about it, especially back in the day. It's, uh, it was a style, but it was a statement. Dave Grohl of. would agree with you. I'm reading his book right now, and he, it's exactly. I feel like he would say he's one of the last great ones to be honest with you. Well, he played in so many different groups prior to Nirvana and to Foo Fighters. And Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Pause. Yeah, like you know what? Get this guy the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's like, where'd you find him? (laughs) No, but but seriously, like it's crazy how. Uh, the, that question is wonderful because I'm I'm sitting here thinking how I would answer that and like the only way I would answer that question is is through a girlfriend that I had in college eleven uh, my my junior year and get to texting dog <laughs> she <laughs> gotta figure out what's going on <laughs> she uh, she introduced me to to panic at the disco and like I remember like jamming this <laughs> this stuff with her in in her Mustang I was like I am dating the right person right you know like at that moment love you wife yeah so um so yeah. I mean that's a, that wow. a great question. The, yeah, the value you put on things when you're younger. Yeah. Um, no, right. it's worth it's worth reflection. That's all I'm going to say. It's worth reflection. It's um well you know it's that's how you form a lot of associations you yeah, know yeah. um like it's kind of this sounds a little weird but you know Panic's second record pretty odd it's kind of like the Beatles ripoff of the century uh, was fantastic it was the best thing they ever put out in my opinion. What is their second one? Just so I know. Pretty odd. Okay. Yeah, is what it was called. Yeah, and it was mass. It was take their first record, kind of like that dark emo rock pop, and then was that the one that hit like the radios with the the what was that hit? Nine um, in the afternoon. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was. That was the one. That was the one I was listening to. What are you whispering? I don't know. The <laughs> IPA. It's, it's the you, we talk about like the associations that we make, and it's kind of weird, you know. That record was the first. Uh, 
record I ever bought with my own money, and I associate it with the smell of the house that we had just moved into when I was uh, a kid. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I, <laughs> da- damn it. I'll cuss in case you want to cuss later. When you said that, I nearly brought up the idea of smell because I think I've read some literature somewhere saying that um, <clears throat> that association by smell is actually stronger than any other. I, and this could be just some stuff that I'm screwing up right now, but I swear I've read it, like the, the smell. I can smell soaps, and I swear I'm at a babysitter's house, and I'm 44, so like... But you do that with alcohols you never want to drink again. You have a bad night with one kind of bourbon, you know that smell you for actually, the rest of your life. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. You don't forget that's it. That's so true. <laughs> but you're right, you know, music, it can literally take you to a place. I'm not trying to be esoteric. I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm not trying to be any of those things. Music takes you to a place that you probably lived before. <clears throat> a lot of this older music that we're talking about, yeah. generally, generationally speaking. And uh, smell does the same thing. And that's I was literally thinking about this. <laughs> but I wasn't going to say it until somebody mentioned something about smell. Yeah, that, he I'm, did. Our guest did. It's crazy. It Well, and I could get even more specific. You know, the smell, like the kind of carpets that were in the house. It's weird. The summer of 2008 was a very prolific one. In- but it's also <laughs> very visceral to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah and like, definitely. I think that's really beautiful. And I think we experience that musically and all of us do that, and we all have different stories to tell. Yeah, so keep yeah. T- keep telling. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's a form of expression like no other. Somebody said, I don't remember where I read this at, but somebody said that you know, music was a way of saying things you can't talk, you can't speak. It's it expresses things that only only in that medium could that thing be expressed. I think and it's so, a, where words fail, music speaks. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's so much better than what I just. <laughs> well, no, well, I just couldn't say generationally speaking. Again, I was like, <laughs> sounded Polish. No offense. Um, yeah, but I don't know if it's a bumper sticker or just something I've read in like band rooms or whatnot. But right. I can't disagree. I want to make fun of it because like, sometimes I can just be a jerk. I can make fun of myself too. It's like, but it's true. You hate it when trite makes sense. You yeah, know, I, it's a yeah. badass bumper sticker for yeah. a reason. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, exactly. Right. So, can you talk a little bit about your creating music and writing? It sounds like you've you. I mean, that's all. Have, have you done covers? I mean, I'm sure oh you have. Gosh. I mean, I know that you guys did uh, Panic at the Disco. You did a. Did you guys do an album show? We Remind did a me. themed show. A themed show. And so, so we took a lot of their number ones. And, and we were supposed to do. You you guys were going to do My Chemical Romance. And, and then when I was with Hal Schmidt, we were going to do something to Paramore. Paramore. Oh, that's right. We were talking yeah. about doing Paramore. And then I remember, because I love their most recent album, After Laughter. It's like kind of 80s inspired. And I remember. It was so different than their other stuff. Right. And like, I love their other stuff. And yeah. then I saw them play it live and i was like okay mine changed yeah no it was it was it it they knew how to evolve and grow and i hate that they kind of aren't doing anything now because i was very interested in it changed me as a songwriter you know it's good to see pop punk musicians branch out to other things because that influences you to i don't know there's this weird sort of like religious snobbery where it's like, oh, you know, oh, pop music, you know, it's like, yeah, how, how gross. It's like, you can make smart pop music, you can make good pop music, and a lot of the bands that we were listening to back in the day, kind of tying into how you were talking about songwriting, mm. they've grown into other genres, and all the people that yeah. follow them, myself included, that's kind of how we learn as well, you know, like, oh, it is okay to I'm venture really- into... Are you speaking to like the elitism of that every other music in the world that preceded or comes after pop is better than pop? Because there's an, there's a certain elitism <clears throat> that a lot of people will speak to. I have a good friend. I love him dearly. He hates K92. I generally turn on K92 because I want to see what's going on. It's not that I love it or hate it. I want to see what's going on. <clears throat> and to be honest, the chords are the same. A lot of the melodies are simple. <laughs> three chord theory. It, three chords in a story. Yep. Yep. 
Um, there, you know, there, there are many ways to look at this. But it's working. It. It's working. They're making bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, some people will say, "Well, it's not about money," but but still, you're telling a story and you're making people feel things. And you just have to be careful. I'm I'm all up for that. I love pop music. I've always loved pop music. In high school, I kind of had to push it away until I was like, "This is this is stupid." I love it. It doesn't mean I love all pop music. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. And and you shouldn't because no. there's some hideous <coughs> shit out there. But well, it's, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's <laughs> comical that it's called music in a way, but um. Anyway, back back well, to you. Well, the AJ. land the landscape is entirely different than than it was even just ten years ago when I was a kid, onwards and backwards and everything. And it's good to turn on things like that because you can kind of take the temperature of the you know the landscape that's out there right now. I agree with you. I, mm. I like turning on K ninety two as well. Not so much for the music. Some of it, uh, you know. I want to see what's going on. It's almost like turning on the Weather Channel. Yeah, for yeah. a musician, you can you let's see what's going on. Stick your here. finger in the air, oh. see where, which way the breeze is going. And yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. And, and so many things are being recycled, regurgitated, redone. Sometimes I to tell everybody. Sometimes they're done a little bit better and a little bit cleaner, <clears throat> but sometimes they're not. Let's just turn it on and see where the influences have come from and where they're going. Like you don't, you know, it takes a lot of energy to hate. So I just can't hate pop music. Well, yeah. Well, there's something about the repetitiveness of mm. of pop music that is appealing to people. And I don't know because I'm a behavioralist and I, it's a psychological thing. And we where it's like a brain thing mm-hmm. where our brain is like processing. It's it's easy for us to listen to be, because of that. Well, people repetitive. like familiarity. Correct. Yeah. And so like my daughter, who's not even two years old, like we'll turn it on. She's just back there just grooving, you know, yeah. and it's just like it, it's 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 a multitude of things. Right. So, um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, we we kind of try to I wouldn't say pride ourselves, but it's kind of something we aim for. You know, uh, we see a lot of music, uh, you know, whether it's on the mainstream or locally, you know, artists that will take things that you've seen before, but introduce them in ways that maybe you haven't quite seen it before like the roots are familiar but it's a brand new spin that's typically the direction we kind of try to take as songwriters like we we have our obviously we have our love for the oldies like the guitarist and i anytime we write it you know it's like you guys just like ripping off john lennon these are john lennon board chord progressions but it's like we do like to kind of add like uh we took a beatles song and made it a like a dance song mm. sort of like a double hi-hat sort of dancey tune and everything it's something you've heard before it's a it's your simple four chord progression but it's you did that with Jingle Bell Rock. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. So like, and that's on your Spotify. We yeah. so uh, <laughs> listen to that Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, it'll rock you. It's the only one of our songs <laughs> that's actually on a playlist like out there that we had nothing to do with. I'm like, why this one? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that I mean, that opens up a whole other can of worms. And of late, you know, I haven't been writing tons or any of that. But um, you, when you write songs, you, you know, and to any of the young folks that are listening. And just to irritate the older folks, write them and be done with them because you never, you never really know. So you're saying you have this one track that I've never heard. Um, I'll listen to it soon. Uh, and you're like, why this one? Cause you feel like there's so much more substance than the other ones. You never really know. And I guess the real lesson is don't be so hung up on yourself that you think you're writing the perfect melody, perfect chord progression, right? And let go and write and let go and keep going. That's where the education happens. That's where progress happens. That's where the maturity happens. Mm -hmm. So do that. Do that. Yeah, you're exactly right. I've got a, you know, on my, the voice recordings on my phone, I've probably got 350 right now. I was literally just going to ask you, what's your catalog? Like how many songs have you cataloged in like stead? Okay. This can be a tune and with, with your band. So I'll give you, I'll give you a ratio. So maybe I've got like 300 and 350 to 400 on my phone, three of which have become songs. Okay. You know, it's like you said, you write, mm-hmm. you toss it, you write, That's you toss 1%. it. That's 
And it's, yeah, almost nothing ever gets through the Did final Did you say cut. you're a behavioralist or a mathematician? <laughs> <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> you're a behavioralistician. <laughs> this beer says I'm both. So. <laughs> I'm a ma- mathemist. <laughs> a w- woolly mathemist. <laughs> what kind of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all day. Can somebody interrupt me? Go. <laughs> Go ahead. That one slowed us both way down. I know. I was like, <laughs> we like what just happened? No. That, makes, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> and not at all no at the same sense. time. I know. Like, uh, yeah, no, it's um, you know the the writing. <laughs> Most things don't work, so make a lot of things. Yes, that's what we're saying. Throw as much as you can at the wall. No, and that's that's what you know, like expressions about. That's what like songwriting's about and creativity, and that's any form of art. No, and I know. think that's so yeah. important for our younger listeners t- to hear. At being being creative and writing, like it doesn't all work. No, but like you can have. 300 or 300,000 yeah, ideas. Let, let, let me scratch that. Like, may, I like this IPA. Let's <laughs> <laughs> scratch that because I'm working with a guy right now who's uh, been a friend of mine for a very long time. Probably he may tell you that I'm a mentor of his. He may not. Uh, he's definitely gone on to do his own thing, right? And I really like playing with him in the band. I would like to play more original music, and I've told him. He doesn't play it all the time. You know, he, he's already established himself to a certain level and he's enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And he pro- provides me with some uh, supplemental income. And this guy's not really throwing stuff out there. And he knows who he is when he hears this podcast. And it might be four months before he hears it. Like, it never stops. Um, I'm the same way. Before I call him out, I'm the same way. I want it to be as good as it possibly can be yeah. before we throw it out there. And there is merit in that approach. But there's also a lot of time lost in that approach. So, you know, yeah. push. No, no. And I wasn't saying, like, don't have those 300 ideas. I want you to have those 300 ideas. Well, you were saying to the young folks, I'm saying to anybody that's out there writing music, it might be worth throwing it at the wall, just like AJ said. Yeah. No, and that, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, putting it, I mean, you need to you need to be reckless when you're being creative. You to know? a degree, yeah. I love that. That That's, yeah, reckless. You should be. Yeah. I mean, because you... The the a lot of the biggest growths, at least you know, from my own point of view, uh, have been from things that I've accidentally made and been like, "This is actually really cool." And I don't know, like, kind of putting yourself into a place where you're not comfortable. It's a it it's a form of I guess like humility, and that mm. humility is good. It puts you in places where you know nothing. You always want to be in a place where you don't know shit about where you're at. No, yeah. and that's yeah, when definitely. you like that's that. the only way it challenges you. And so, it's a good outlook. It really is. Yeah, it, real I mean, ultimately, that's when and there are um, geniuses, right? There are folks who knew what they were doing, did it, accomplished it. You know, I, I might this might speak of Prince, I might speak of Michael Jackson. Right? There are those level folks. There are also really fantastic musicians that didn't take that route, didn't know. They just kept going. You know, they were relentless in yeah. their approach. And um, when the hunger's there, you know? yeah, you just yeah. go. And and what you learn from that is is a certain fearlessness. Usually that fearlessness uh, becomes a magnet and people are, are they, yeah. they're once you're, once you're fearless, they're like, man, I like this guy because yeah. you've already made so many mistakes. Like how many more can you make and how, how bad will that upset you? So you just, you, you lessen that threshold of failure. You're like, screw it. I'm just doing the best I can. And when it, when it comes about that, I think more people will find success. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, and success, you know, not. I'm not saying that you're saying this. I just, you know, for anybody that maybe like is thinking about becoming a songwriter, you know, success is like financial success or that's not a good barometer for personal growth. You know, like yeah. it's, it's definitely no, an indicator. 100%. Like if you, if yeah. I made a million bucks tomorrow, fuck, I did something right. You know, yeah, <laughs> but, no. but but outside of that, like, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's just about being sloppy and being reckless and being. Um, I mean, dangerous. Babies are sloppy and reckless. They have to learn. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. It's the same thing. Yeah. If you're a baby musician, you're going to do this. And if you're an adult musician who's afraid to make those mistakes, maybe it's time to make some mistakes, dog. Like, give it a go. Yeah. No. And it doesn't mean, you know, I don't want to hear all your mistakes. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just. No, stop being, don't, don't be afraid. Yeah. No, you shouldn't be. Then there's no shame in, in continuing that journey and learning either. So, and if there are musicians who are seeing you do this, go through this process, and they're judging you on it, well, they're just afraid to do the same thing. Yeah, uh, and and a lot of people are like that, and that's why a, a lot tons. of are really good. You know, like you know, a lot of musical partners that I've had, you know, we go separate ways because some people are music. Or I guess. Not musically mature, creatively mature. Some mm-hmm. people are ready to kind of mm-hmm. venture out. And, you know, f- I was someone who was very locked into what I knew for the longest time. So would so. you say it's okay to play those shows in front of 20 people and just enjoy every moment of it with that 20 people and and then compare it? Because you were talking about barometer, like with success, like compare that to playing in front of 150 the next time. You know, it, it doesn't matter in my opinion. So... It's it's all about it's all about you know creating creating a very unique moment in time when you play a show, like you can't you can't look at anything behind you or before you when you go in there and play. And it doesn't matter if there's five. You know, I've played to a room where it was just our parents before, and I played to you know eighty times that before, and it it never really changes. Um, you just have to be there because you love doing it, and and it's it, it, five or fifteen hundred. It's about the connection that you make right there on the spot. Yeah. And 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 you focus on that and you We got to start of somewhere, right? right? And like you have to be okay with that journey. Yeah. Um and so I, I kind of want to segue to that like where have you played here in Renwick? What what are you, and, and what what's that crowd been like and like how hard has that been for you as a pop punk rocker it this is not you know it's we kind of talked a little bit before about this but this is not the area for that um yeah and if it ever was i didn't live here when it was um there was a lot of it and that's what i hate i feel like i missed out damn it (laughs) you might bring it back you might be able to bring it back on your own well who you know covid definitely threw a monkey wrench in things but um but it didn't stop you no, it didn't. Um, you know, I, and I still harass the guys to play with me and, and they uh, tolerate me for whatever reason. But, you know, as far as like coming here and kind of integrate, they are so patient. Let me tell you, I'm a diva. I am a diva. But, you know, kind of going into the community, there was definitely like there were a ton of little like serious, non-serious punk bands. You know, there's a lot of kids that also enjoy the outlet the same as I do yeah. with varying degrees of seriousness on it. Um, you know, we were friends with, uh, you know, a lot of groups in the community. And, you know, like I said, we've been around since 2015 and I feel like seven years. It kind of sounds like a humble brag, but it's 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 a kind of a long life for a little local punk band, you know, because um, we've just seen so many come and go. It's uh, a great life, dude. And and um, it is. I, I want to not let me interrupt you again. Sure. Go. Um, I think it's a great name. The Bureau. It's a great name. It's a great name. I've I've heard a few tunes. I think the idea is great, and we don't speak a lot about that because we've had. Um, I remember Chris. I remember really enjoying that conversation with the bluegrass guy. Um, there's we're having all these people, right? We never we don't talk too much about concepts, and there's generally where a lot of folks will get together and be like, "Who are we? What are we?" Any record label, if you ever sit in a room with them, they're going to ask you those questions. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Who's your audience? Whatever. Um, the package that is the bureau that I know of, which is you know only minimal, I think is great. Just so you know, I, you, you know, need I, some encouragement. But he labeled that in his bio, like <coughs> yeah. it's, it's yeah, yeah. sci-fi inspired rock outfit. No, like, that's it's what great. it is. And like that was your so the the label uh, on Spotify was like, oh, this it says the bureau, and it's in this green, beautiful space helmet. And I'm like, 
this makes sense. Yeah. And like and and it's hard to sell that. It really is hard to sell that. Everybody asks, well, what's what's house to Schmidt? Well, it's a house of family. My name is people. Schmidt and we my practice in my Travis house. Schmidt and it's <laughs> it's maybe pretty much that's what it was. You know, this is my family. Thanks. But you know? I want to make you know, I was thinking about this that um earlier this week, knowing that this was this one was on the way, like um there's a it's good to have a conversation about branding and, you know, qualifying the things that people out here do. Whether it doesn't need to be qualified or branded. I just wanted to tell you that before we forgot. And I hope I haven't derailed you too much. No, no, you're fine. That it was nice. It's cool to see that. You know, it's, I would say, and I'm glad to hear that. And, and I'm so stoked to hear that because that is, we suck at branding. Like, that's the, that's Oh, our, dude, me too. That's the biggest hurdle. Well, it just seems so damn superficial. And, mm. and I hate it. And, it's and. Rough. Uh, it's also not a one-person job. No, and, and no, it's it's almost an outsider's job. Yes, yes. Because and we could back this up a little bit. You can't really, or you know, like trying to write the perfect song or what we were talking about ten minutes ago. You can do your damnedest to figure out how other people are going to perceive you. You can try. Good luck. It, it, Good luck. Look, if you if you spend all your time in in trends and algorithms, you're going to lose yourself along the way. Yeah. And, oh. And and that's and that, and that was the biggest thing for me was like, it, you, I we haven't really taken off the way that I had hoped we would when I was in my early 20s, and now that I'm in my late 20s, I, I just want to keep doing it because I over time you learn how to be more yourself. I really don't care if it ever does at this point, mm-hmm. um, because I've kind of realized that there is value in. I'm going to focus less on trying to get people to perceive me a certain way and focus more on making as much of a splash with our thumbprint and our personality as we can. And if that never goes anywhere, that's fine because the ride was fun as well, shit. Well, yeah. I'm going to validate you here. Like, the when I've listened to it, like, I love the way it's mixed. I love, I absolutely love the way it's mixed because I can clearly hear everything. And, like, I don't feel that way even with some of the artists that I enjoy. Uh, to listen to on a daily basis. I will basis. take it. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I will take like, it. <laughs> I really, really like the clarity behind what you are playing. And like that says a lot about what you're writing and how important those parts and those segments are for the whole of the body of, of the song. Well, and a, a lot of the songs, you know, it's kind of funny how they come out. You know, uh, the one we just dropped a song called uh, The Kids Killed the Radio. And that I wrote that song in, well, I wrote the idea for that song in 2017. The band helped me flesh it out. And then we never put it out because I hated it. You guys collaborate a lot on 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 lyrics or just uh, like um, I know I'm I'm asking in the middle of a question already. Sure, no, 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 it, 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 dude, rabbit, jerk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> rabbit trails are fun, you know. Um, it it's weird. Each song kind of has a different way that it that it spawns, and you can kind of tell how the idea came to be based on the genre that it is. So for a lot of stuff that's really like heavily guitar punk driven, typically I'll write like a very simple skeleton for something that you know i've been humming that i came up with and i take it to the group and then they make it listenable um, <laughs> so uh you know so it, it usually starts with i'm chunking along on an acoustic guitar and i'm humming something and then seven days later i'm humming it again i'm like i hummed it a second time it was worth it it was worth it and then the guys you know um not to go too far off, you know, I got to brag on the guys a little bit. Like I'm probably the weakest link of the group between the three of them. Like I would say the difference between us is that I'm sort of a performer and they are musicians to their bones. And Mm. a lot of my musical education outside of pop punk kind of took place by playing with them. That's what made me better. I think Mm. kudos Um, for saying, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Took my word. Kudos. (laughs) That's Italian. (laughs) A mathematician. 
and a, a behavioralist and a linguist. linguist. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know. Beats bruising buddies, guys. <laughs> yeah, like, Beats bruising buddies. Get your education here, kids. So, so <laughs> playing around here in this town, I pop punk. Tell me about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, we we've kind of got this weird. Uh, there's this series out on Disney now called uh, uh, What If. And <laughs> the then, Marvel series? Yeah, yeah. And there's a narrator <laughs> called The Watcher. And, you know, he's like, I cannot and will not interfere. And, you know, like, and he just watches like a creep. And you have he, no idea, do you, Jeremy? No. Okay, I got this. Yeah, yeah, right. You're, say, you're, you're kind of, you say the Batman I, T-shirt. Yeah, I yeah. knew somebody would. I and get, I get the nerdisms. Yeah, well, that's kind of how I feel with this group because we've seen a lot of groups come and go, and a lot of fads in the mainstream come and go, and you know we've, you know we've kind of done our own thing the whole time, but there's never really been like a tight knit pop punk community, but yet there's a ton of talent here. For not just maybe that genre, but there are a lot of there's a lot of untapped talent in a lot of genres around this place, and pop punk kind of has that in common with, you know, in an area that's dominated by bluegrass and country music. And God bless you for saying that because we interviewed uh, a local R and B artist was our first interview, yep. and like, and it's the same stuff. And like, there are there's I've heard your stuff and I love your stuff, and but like I I like that stuff personally, and so sure. like I, I just think that what's neat about this area is that we we do open ourselves up to different types of genres what i would like to see in this area as far as growth uh, as far as community and culture is to be a little bit more accepting and a little bit more um open to listening and hearing those things because i'm sure and i'm assuming that it's been difficult because I did the Christian scene, I know how difficult it was even here uh, to do to, to break, do original right. music. So everybody wanted to hear, you know, the the p- top ten. Yeah, the big covers, yeah. and then if you try to take your Christian originals out to like Correct. Sidewinders, you know, you yeah, can't really sell liquor to every I move I make. <laughs> and <laughs> like, may God be with you. <laughs> no, like, exactly. Yeah. So, but before, but hold it's on, a really rowdy communion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, I'm with you guys on so many levels. Uh, the nature of the podcast is to actually be somewhat appreciative that Sidewinders is here. And there's a oh. lot of people making music and doing anything. Trust me, I'm not a country music fan. I play in a country music band, and the other band I play in plays a lot of country music in it. Um, and when I left Roanoke, I figured out that was the foundation of you said you said dominated by bluegrass and country. Mm-hmm. And I played so much country music, but between the time I was uh, 15 and 19, and I'm still not the biggest fan. I don't hate it. Uh, I'm glad it's kind of uh, poppy now. But we have so much music in this town that that inclu- incorporated. But let's go back to that level. I just want I wanted to throw that out there. The nature of the podcast is like, hey, we got so much music here. We do so much, and like so much that we can afford to make fun of it. Sidewinders is awesome. That's what we're trying to say. No, no, no so, absolutely. Like, I, <laughs> Sidewinders is a specific <laughs> genre of music, though. <laughs> I, I think I only played there once, and it was you know it's it's a country, I've never, I've it's never a saloon, that, but I don't play it. I don't play country. So, but you, where have you played? You played Kirk Avenue, right? Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. I think this is the episode <laughs> that I'll keep it on track. That on that track. that gets all other episodes videotaped. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Yeah, no. Um, where else have we played? You know, that's that's one of the biggest. That's one of the hardest parts when you don't have a community that's super open to the genre of music that you're in. You you know a lot a lot of venue owners they they're, they want acts that are kind of in touch with the community and are going to bring yeah. you're going to put butts in seats and um we kind of had to in a lot of ways 
with the support of, you know, venue owners that have been willing to take a risk on us, we've kind of had to carve out, we, we, we will go to like bars and rent it and we'll put up lights and do everything ourselves just to have a show there. Like we hollow out these places and, and do it because there is nowhere. Mm, and mm. you know, a, a lot of the bigger venues, um, it's just really hard to crack in. I guess is what I'm saying. No, and, it is. and you need a you need a medal on your own for that. Yes. not just the writing and the playing of the music. You need like you know what we got a bunch of country venues. We we've got um maybe two or three amphitheaters. I was trying to do the math in my head. I'm not no, a mathematician. I, I got it. Well, we've got a few restaurants down here. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Um, so doing that, that's this whole other thing, man. Yeah. You have to carve out your own place to be to do the things you created to do. I mean, it's a lot. It's I, a lot of stuff. I purposely asked that because I think it's important for our listeners to know you have to grind. Even, even it doesn't matter what genre you're playing. Like, you're going to have to grind either way. Yeah, yeah and like yep. places do have particular tastes, and that's fine. But you're gonna have to find something else, and and for me, it was Billy's Barn. Billy's Barn, and it was was where it was at <laughs> oh for us. That was that was home base. It was home base for Hauser Schmidt, and we we were able to experiment there. And I remember we played Synchronicity by the Police, and the entire oh, album. No, we just played that song. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we didn't. Well, hey, but, wait, okay, go no, ahead. no, I was just gonna say like. It's nice to have a home base, and I, I and I'm hoping that's Kirk Avenue for you guys. It yeah, it sort of is. To be honest with you, um, it's kind of crazy how it wound up. We actually just played a show there this past weekend, but uh, Shishka, the hookah lounge downtown. Oh, mm-hmm. cool! They've been so kind to us and allowing us to come in there. And it's you know the place is not kitted out for live bands at all. Sure, um, but like I said, they allow us to come in and carve it out and make it what we need to be. And we're kind of a band in a box, you know. We, we come with a you know a PA. I feel like some bands probably don't. <laughs> like, I felt like you're going in, into a serious explanation yeah. of what it is to be a band in a box. And you said we in there was space. The space between your words grew. <laughs> the smile on your face grew. <laughs> and you said we come with a PA. We come with a PA. Well, yeah, venue that is the make or break thing for a lot of venues. Oh man, it is. Yeah, 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 I, it some is. you know in some venues like yeah we've got a. Uh, We've got a karaoke machine and it's just like, we've got mics and speakers. Don't worry guys. We got you covered. Yeah, no, yeah. but it definitely, oops, it definitely helps a lot. Um, no, but Shishka's kind of home base. Kirk Avenue has been really, really kind to us too. But, um, you know, they're, they're really good about kind of peppering their catalog with a lot of different artists. And they so, do. And they, they, they allow a lot of musicians that yes. play, uh, originals yeah. to play there. And I think that's beautiful. Well, that's encouraged. It's really, really important. No, it should be. Yeah. It typically covers, you know, and, and they've, and they're, they're Super great people to work with um, over there, but typically there is kind of an emphasis on we want your flavor. We don't want so much, and so we'll you know the the tradition there is to throw in a Rocky Horror cover when we do well one. And we'll do fair. one while we're no, there. No, and that's but, fair. You know. So what's the correlation between between those those places and 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 now being on uh, the board with Festival in the Park? If it's, Travis doesn't get through these questions in order. It's, you know, Shut yeah. up, Jeremy. Spaza. No one knows now. Now they all know <laughs> I'm looking at questions. No, I, th- I think it's I, <laughs> the, the ways this, of the, the way this podcast is unfolding is beautiful because you are that person. I just wanted to. I am OCD, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about no. It's, it's all about it's putting your thumbprint diagnosis. It's all about putting your thumbprint. Your 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 unique uh, flavor, if you will. <laughs> on, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna purposely skip. Question five. Keep going. <laughs> you know, I wasn't really feeling question five. Hold on, I gotta um, read it. Go ahead, AJ. Answer that question. Let me get. Let me look at this fifth dot. Cue up the next one. 
<laughs> he has it in front of him too. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, We've already answered it. AJ, answer his question. We'll yeah. get to that in one second. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because uh, you know local festivals that were. Every venue in town, whether it's a local festival or it's a little dive bar, they bring in their own uh, their own flavors. But the atmosphere is a lot different. Mm-hmm. So the work that I do for Festival in the Park, you know, um, we do go out of our way to kind of showcase a lot of local groups. Um, you know, there's a lot of festivals that kind of have a buy-in, and we don't do that. Uh, mm. Just apply, and you know, we select a roster and throw it on there behind some big names. Um, versus like maybe a dive bar where it is specifically geared towards little bands and their tight-knit followings here um doing both has given me a really good just lay of the land as far as what you can do as a musician and the options that are open for you at least in this area Mm -hmm. and the options are out there um but the networking part is huge it's just the finding so hard it took me 10 years to hard find you know i think people need to hear that from every musician that's been up here and like i feel like they have so far on episode five uh with aj garrett <laughs> uh i just think hey, it's, uh, hey <laughs> yeah it's just it's so it's so hard man it yeah. really is hard for you to to find what niche works well in in the niche doesn't necessarily need to though that's what uh, audiences a lot of the time they don't know what they want to hear i mean obviously they want to hear things that they know but I've seen, like, we'll go up there and we'll play, like, I'll give you an example. So, you know, this past festival in the park, it was kind of the COVID festival. It wasn't the normal time, uh, but we wanted to do something. And so... Because you guys did it in fall, right? Yeah. mm -hmm, Normally it's in May. uh, But we got up there and uh, it didn't hit me until I got on there. We planned an entire My Chemical Romance cover set because this was like a throwaway year for us. Let's just have fun. Yeah. Well, you know, the median age festival, I mean, there's an entire demographic, but there's a lot of lifers that show up there that have been going because it's one of the oldest festivals in the entire country. Yeah. And, and, uh, what festival in the park? Festival in the park. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We're going, I think it's like 53 years now. It's, it's been around for a minute. And so, yeah. Right. Right. Roanoke Valley. Yeah. And, um, we, uh, (laughs) we got up there and I, and I just remember it. Oh my God. Most of these folks are above 50, and I'm playing My Chemical Romance to every last one of them on the main stage here in Elmwood. <laughs> one, two, three, go. But you know what the crazy part was? What? It was cut down the middle. It was cut down the middle. Half of, half, of, half of the older generation was like, what the hell am I watching? And the other half was like, what the hell am I watching? But there was a look of curiosity on one side and a look of disgust on the other. I had a lot of compliments come from people who had never mm. heard that music before from the older generation who was like, did you guys write that? Well, that was incredible. Did you guys? It's like, no, no, I wish I did. You probably, <laughs> you probably made fun of your grandkids for listening to this. <laughs> like, you know, or they so. may have had kids that dug it. You never yeah, know. That you never that listened, appreciated music for being music. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people are like, you know, this sounds like insert band I listened to forever ago. And it just goes to show you, like you were kind of talking about like the open mindedness. Like if you listen hard enough, you're going to find something you wanted to hear and you may not have known that you wanted to hear it, but there's something to value in everybody's craft. And I think if this area embraced that a little bit more, I think things would open up a lot for smaller bands and no i mean i would agree with you uh 100 percent. and i and i i can say that even as somebody that's in a cover band it it took us eight years to get him get on a big stage like daleville town center yeah and like eight years like i had it, to play cover songs cover songs that everybody knew and was singing yeah but it's all about following and it's mm-hmm. all about you know making your name and it's it's not easy but like 
it is worth it if you just keep going. Well, that's the grind. You know, every show that we play, uh, we meet at least one person who will attach themselves to our social media and follow us relentlessly. You know, if we have a crowd of, you know, 80 people, one person is going to follow us from that. Uh-huh. The, the engagement percentage is so low, but it's worth it because if you do, like you said, it took you eight years, but one person from every show builds up over time. You play no, 30 really shows does. a year, and yeah. next thing you know, you've got a little local following, and that's what we had yeah. uh, before COVID. Um, I remember there was this uh, uh, troop of... Um, of uh, is is there is there a college in Hollands Hollands yeah. yeah there was a there was a group of girls that followed us around for a while from Hollands I did not know them I never saw them outside of the shows but they were every at every last one in 2019 and that was the coolest thing and then COVID really rocked a lot of bands and mm. you stopped seeing that as much but you know we just picked them up one day randomly at a show we played in Bedford or something and then mm-hmm. after that they were at every single one following our stuff by t-shirts come back. like it's it coming was, back but the I guess the greater point is that there you know. If you grind, it's out there. You're going to find what you're looking for if you push long enough, but you you know, you know just yeah. got to be you. And That persistence is oftentimes um, not just a variable, um, a factor. It's, it, yeah. it's the, the, one of the most concrete factors is uh, consistency, not intensity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No persistence and you know, communication with your audience and everything. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, and that's one thing. Like, you walk such a fine line between that and marketing... Oh, yeah. And I hate marketing oh, <laughs> so God. much. It's awful. Like, it's yeah, hard. It's bad. I don't, I hate selling things to people. It's hard, man. Like, it's hard. I, just, I got some friends who are spectacular at it. And I used to just dismiss the idea. I would, I would acknowledge that they're, you, I got two in mind right now and they're going to remain, remain nameless. But you're amazing at this. That's what I would say. You're amazing. But I didn't give it any credence. I was just like, you're amazing at selling yourself. And I don't like the idea of selling myself. It, and now I look at them and their success levels. And I'm like, you're just amazing at this. Yeah. Even if it's not yourself, it's that you're amazing at selling things, finding demographics, finding places that want this. Um, it stems from you being amazing at selling yourself. But that is an art in and of itself. And I have no grounds to stand on and say, hey, this is silly. Because it's something I suffer from as well. I don't like it. It's a, it's a powerful tool. And, you know, like some people are you know, gods at guitar and other people in the band might be less technically gifted, but know how to work Instagram really, really well. And sometimes that's all you need to get really busy. So that is all you need. Yeah. A good guitar player and a good Instagram player. That's it. Instagramist. You don't need a drummer. It's like, well, I don't, you know what? I don't disagree. I'm gonna make some phone calls after this. Instagram. Time to shave off the band count. Travis.g.schmidt66 at gmail.com. Hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, do we want to hit him with the gauntlet? Wait a minute. No, because uh, question five was... No, question descri- five was you were looking at... Disc- I know which one we've already answered. We've answered question four already. Question oh, five yeah, is four. about supplemental income. Well, if you, to, who, to anyone listening, describe what it's like to play your style of music in an area where bluegrass, rock and roll, and country appear to reign. And he already, you know, we already mentioned you're the, right, the right. dominance of that. It's not a bad thing that it's dominated by those those music, no. uh, that music, and um, I've definitely learned a lot from it, but it's a hell of a question, but it was already answered. Well, I can give you like uh, maybe just something I meant to mention before, Go. but, no, I, please I, but do. I didn't. You know, being, being, uh, being in the scene, the very small scene here for about seven years, like I said, we've seen a lot of bands come and go, but then a lot of bands have seen us play, and they go and they start their own. And mm. that is so cool to watch. Like high school kids that used to come to our show, they'll form little bands here and there. And I'm not, 
Yeah, we're the reason everybody got started, but there's been like two groups, like, you know, like mm -hmm. a kid be like, man, mm -hmm. I thought you were so awesome, we want to do our own thing, and they'll get together for three months and write a single, and then they'll break up, and they'll never play music That's together again. That's a blessing in disguise. It's so cool. It really it's is. the coolest thing. Courage. And, right. You, you become their courage. And, but, uh, and I want, I hate the marketing part, because I feel like if I, I really want to encourage that. Mm -hmm. and not sell to anybody as much you know like mm -hmm. i want i want to see that community grow and because there's so much talent out there but in an area where you know the style of music's not that popular you know mm -hmm. you have to really pull on the, the 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 kids that come to your show and the, the people that the few people that do support you so that was one anecdote I, I wanted to share i believe that passion sells itself so if you're passionate enough about what you're doing it's gonna sell to whoever is listening yeah yeah absolutely that's, that's what i believe no, I absolutely agree with that. Lay it on me. Where's the gauntlet? There's another question here. <laughs> he really wants to get through my five questions. I'm not going to know because he really wants to not get through it because <laughs> like, I called him out yeah, on he it. He did. So, <laughs> I'm like purposely. So the, the fifth question, have we already answered it? No? no? <laughs> you know that the answer is no? Are you okay? I'm fine. Okay. Do you fear the number five? <laughs> <laughs> Talk to our listeners about how important the money aspect of playing music is, and is it strictly supplemental, or does it play an imperative role with your finances? And here's this is uh, this is a big part of why we're even doing this uh, this, this podcast. Like there are a lot of folks that make serious supplemental income. There are a lot of folks that do not, but we still have a lot of music around here. Yeah, Travis wants to say something really bad. No, not at all. I'm just agreeing. Oh, okay, with you. okay, cool. Thank you for asking the question. We're not uh, to, to be completely transparent. I don't want to know if you make money playing music. We I'll tell you know how important that <laughs> how important that is. I'll tell you to your creativity. I'll give you a solid figure right now. You ready? Uh, <laughs> I know uh, what's happening. Yeah, I know like, what's happening. Like, uh, oh gosh, like two hundred and fifty bucks in the past, like two years. Um, to to me, it it depends on what you want out of it. You know, for me, I'm kind of a for the love of the game kind of guy. Like, I will pay money out of pocket to go play a show somewhere because that's fun for me. You know, being on the stage and having people enjoy it and getting out and communicating with people and learning new things and experiencing new places. Like, that's that's fun. If your goal is to make money in music, you can do that too. But that comes, I don't know, it comes with a lot of stress and I just... Uh, Tons. I work a day job and then I use that to supplement my my musical lifestyle outside of it. Yep. Money, money's not important to me, but I play with musicians that it is important for and, and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with either. I just find that focusing on the money aspect limits my enjoyment of the actual material. Your so. answer is exactly Man, what I wanted one of the listeners to hear. And that's why, that's why I write these questions down because I think they're important for our listeners to hear, especially when, when we're introducing guest uh, buddies uh, <laughs> to, to, to this, to this scene. I mean, help me out there, Jeremy. I mean, right. Well, so it's, it's the, um, the brainchild of the podcast was just to expose the culture. There's a lot of musicians around here. So many styles. Some are fantastic. Some are good. And some are up and coming. And uh, we just want it to be known that we're all here and we're all around and to, to support each other. Yeah, the networking yeah. aspect's huge. <clears throat> it's 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 paramount. Honestly, so if you're, you know, you're working a job and, and the music is actually more stress relief or, or just life enjoyment for you, that is okay. Yeah. And it's okay for whatever kid is listening to now who's 15 years old and his mom and dad don't really want him to play guitar, but he really wants to play guitar. And they're like, they're worried about him having an actual plan and getting an education. Like it's okay. Let the kid play. Yeah. Don't restrict it because he's going to play anyway. Yeah. If he's so called. 
So it doesn't have to be financial. For me, it became financial, but I actually don't really hate any style of music. So I'm up for playing anything, up for the, the art of learning it and the, and the academic side of it. But um, more people need to hear that there are more paths. The money, the money comes. You know, like you said, you know, being putting your thumbprint on something attracts attention, attracts butts and seats, attracts ticket sales and whatever. And even if that doesn't come, it, it it's okay. But, you know, I've known, you know, especially in my younger days, you know, I, not that I'm some, like, mountain goat with wisdom that's come down to grace you guys with my <laughs> profound knowledge of the music scene. But, I mean, like, you know, now that we're closing in on the big three zero, I have gotten to see what the life of, like, a local musician in their early 20s is like. And there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, that's their main concern. And they typically don't get very far because the lack of, uh, I guess passion isn't there like you said a passion sure. attracts and so yeah no i've just i've never been concerned with it but i've also learned that there are some people who are concerned with that and that's okay too you know yeah. but but i just i don't just different perspectives right i don't let it take away from from what i do you know there's we get along with those folks and we just play separately so it's uh but a lot you i don't know you kind of open up a lot more places to play when you don't have like a, a price gate in front of you like we'll only play for this much i'll play for a, a beer I will play anywhere for like two beers. No, Sorry, a lot of music, No, a lot of musicians just want want their food and their beer covered, yeah. right? And like, and then they feel great about themselves. Well, you gotta if you're in, if you're performing in front of people and you and you love that sort of thing. There's a there's a weird brand of like positive narcissism that comes with no, that. No, it's a, that's exactly right. I'm being paid for my time. Trust me, people are paying attention to me. Correct. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. trust me, I'm happy as a lark right now. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, the money parts it's it's not important to me, and it's never been a driving factor in the group that I play in either. So, are you ready for the gauntlet? Well, I was ready. A question. <laughs> well, now my, my I'm not OCD. feeling ready. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. See, I prepared myself, but now I'm feeling. Kinda... Ladies and gentlemen, this is the new section that we haven't named over the past few episodes. It's happened on every single episode, but we have a name for it now. Welcome to the buddy gauntlet. <laughs> the buddy gauntlet. <laughs> Why okay. is that more terrifying with Buddy in front of us? Okay, so it just turns out that the questions are, um, they're good questions. They really are. And they're and, not mine. And, and they're, they, they. And they're not numbered. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where the gauntlet came from maybe next episode. Uh, I think it's important to look into yourself this deeply. Did you guys, can I ask you a quick question? I'm sorry. Please do. Did you, did you call it the gauntlet before? Because I mentioned that earlier. This is the first one. This is the first one. Okay. You said the word too. You said the word. So I named a segment. You did. I named it. AJ Garrett named it. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to hold on now. (laughs) (laughs) The buddy gauntlet. I love it. Um, I'm excited. I'm part of the history, man. Well, so we're, we're still working on exactly how we want to deliver it, but we know this is going to be a a part of it. And not only... Am I really into this section of the uh, of of the podcast? It also let let us know if someone has listened to the podcast. Yeah. If we get somebody on here, say we've done twenty, and we get somebody on here, like I got a few I want to get on here. I just want to wait. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna say you're ready for the buddy gauntlet. If they're like, "What's this?" I know that they haven't been listening. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's gonna, yeah. either gonna go really good or really bad. It's not <laughs> that crazy. Fun. So a lot of people do this one thing. They say, "Who are your your top five musical influences?" Well, we did this few a few. Uh, I'm preparing you, so be thinking. Um, we did this thing. Where I was like, "Who are your top three? You can only have three. And and Macklin was like, three? Oh my god!" Because we all do this. If somebody asked me the same question, I'd be like, "Oh my god!" What is it? I want to know all of your major musical influences. 
Now, if it's a number, the number's a hundred. Relax. Oh, give, give me five or it's ten. It's not a hundred. Yeah. Okay. My, Who are your biggest musical influences? No limit on the number. I was gonna say there's there's too little storage room in my brain for something like that. But there's there's a few. I got a few brain cells rubbing together. Yeah. Who I are your biggest? An why are you here in front of us right now? And why do you do what you do? The Who reasons, are those people? Yeah. Reasons that I picked up a guitar. Sure. Go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. Well, we already talked about Green Day, and any one of my friends that are listening, uh, you know, to this when it comes out, they're gonna roll their eyes so hard because uh, like, oh, yeah. that's also why. Yeah. Yeah. Get these skeletons out of the closet. It's like, oh, you love the Eurythmics. Yeah, it's, uh, well, <laughs> go. Okay. Um, it's like, uh, maybe not so much, but uh, no. Uh, gosh, you know, I think definitely Green Day was the beginning. It, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a simple form of music. It's easy to understand. There's a lot of passion behind it. That's the draw, and then you graduate to other things. Um, there's a band out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, called Southern Culture on the Skids. Man, they're. The, mm. They're partially from Roanoke. Okay, cool, cool. I just, yes, <laughs> yeah. Two of them are from Roanoke. One's from Chapel Hill. Um, Lovely. Yeah, but uh, see how this is working, circling back. It was a long time ago that they were around here killing it. Yeah, you oh. would, would uh, Juddy, and it's, you couldn't eat, you couldn't get in the room. I stalk them to this day. Then. They they know they don't know me by name yet, damn it! But they know my face. And they're like, "That's that weird kid who's been hanging around here for the last ten years." But you know, like they could maybe soon. And they well, you know, I, it's kind of crazy. I ran into the drummer like in December randomly, and you know, oh hey, you know, I'm just like, yes, he knows my face. But um, yeah, no, Southern Culture on the Skids, huge, huge influence on me. Um, That's amazing. I love Rick. Rick I Miller. love that was local. It, Ish. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mary Huff and Dave Hartman are, are local, and mm -hmm. um, I mean, Chapel might as well hey, do, be. You know, like, do you know Juddie's Mary's brother, right? Uh, I so I know that he was in a band called Load. Yeah, back in the day that yeah, got yeah, busy yeah, in yeah, the yeah, area yeah. too. Yeah, I've never actually heard anything though, but I know that she had a brother that was involved in a band, and because mm -hmm. a lot of you know a lot of their friends they grew up with that kind of came up with them when they were coming to the scene. You know, they were a lot of my customers at the coffee shop I ran. Of course they and were. So I got yeah. to hear like personal anecdotes about you know this. Her brother and this is the epitome of why we're doing this podcast. Exactly why we're doing it. All right, keep going. Yeah, yeah, and so you know that it was huge. I loved the uh, sort of the twangy rockabilly because i've always you know in the, in the punk music that i wrote i always kind of brought like this catawba twang into what would be otherwise i guess more city oh, rock there was there was a song we were listening to earlier that had a very southern twang to your popish and punk that's where it comes from yeah yeah, um, yeah i would i would agree with that my you know i was a little <laughs> kid and my dad would pop in this uh this disc uh, dirt track date and uh i remember voodoo cadillac's the first track on there and just mm. hearing that fat thick you know bluesy guitar it sounded like um there's a there's a Creedence Clearwater song exactly sounds like it doesn't it doesn't matter but um yeah no those those would definitely be like a huge number too like they made guitar accessible and it didn't seem fancy and flashy like he you know the first one he played on was a bunch of plywood strapped together I don't even know how he built it the guy's a genius Rick Miller's a genius but yeah but yeah so definitely definitely them I could I could brag on them for hours but we'll move on to the next one <laughs> um but uh oh my gosh um this is pain. This That's why it's called the gauntlet. Yeah, it's pain. Well, it's because I, you feel like you don't want to give obvious answers, but like uh, the next one, I think definitely Queen was another big one. My uh, daughter asked for to listen to Queen this morning when I took her to forest school. Raising them right, raising them right. She did. She goes, Dada, can we listen to Queen? And I was like, Wow. Yes, we sure can. <laughs> ask, ask me how old she is. No, don't. She's five and a half. Okay. Well, no, good. Good. So, a good bright future then. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. It's, well, hey, you know, if get you on my Facebook and I'll tell you how bright my future is from last night. Did you see that? I did. I watched that. My God. 
What happened? She was just. I was trying was to trying send to... some work emails, and she was just writing songs, on, writing and pa- like, pacing, and writing just, and pacing, yeah. and writing and pacing, just singing in the background. And in minute fifteen, I get my phone. I'm like, "Can I just? I want to share this with someone." Hey, get ready though. That's how it starts, and then eventually you've got your retirement plan. You so, are preaching you know. to the choir. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's not that it's about money. Like it's, but it can be. Yeah, if it, you know, if if a, a billion dollars fell out of the sky, I wouldn't argue with it. So, no, um, definitely Queen. Uh, I like the the flamboyance. Um, you know, it was it was really cool to see I like that. It, well, it was really cool to see in in rock and roll people who weren't afraid to kind of cross that that line of like hetero sort of normativity that's associated with rock and roll a lot. You bet you better say normativity and just and, and I don't even know if that's a real word in the face. Yeah. And well it, it, it just there was a lot of like macho bullshit that kind of totally. floats around no. rock and roll and I'm just I'm li, li, Have listen, you been to Rona? Listen to me. I'm so <laughs> I'm so yeah and, and that's why it's been so damn hard. <laughs> It is. I and appreciate you, that. We want you to keep grinding, dude. Yeah. Oh, and keep yeah. And, I, and and the, and we've never, you know, the community's always been very kind to us for, you know, being. I think a, I think a little more flamboyant, or at least just me and my performance style. But you know, I'm just I'm so uninterested in that macho bullshit that comes with rock and roll a lot. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's not even on my radar. It's annoying. It's old. It's used up. It's boring. And it like, gets no one anywhere. Right. It right. gets no one anywhere. No. Take your macho shit away. Yeah. You know. Well, <sighs> I could mention a. Mm, we opened up one time. We'll bring you back. <laughs> we opened for Hinder one time, uh-huh. and um, you know, it was uh, we never met Hinder, so it's not. I'm not, but but there was like this early 2000s sort of butt rock crowd that was there, and there uh-huh. was like when we got up there, people were like, "What the B U T T?" Yeah, butt rock. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, like Nickelback, Hinder, Creed. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure yeah. my brain is processing it correctly. Wait, that, that's not a real genre? I thought it was. That, I, it, it is. It is. It's, <laughs> it's unclassified. It's just known, kind of like you aliens. You just classified it. And yeah, yeah Travis my wanted to clarify for two T's yeah, I was gonna say, but There's always two T's in the butt. But that's kind of what I associate. <laughs> Unless it's a transition <laughs> for those English. Wee-woo, <laughs> wee-woo, wee-woo. Please Please speak. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, <laughs> speaking of that heteronormativity, I'm telling you, um, video. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, we, we we need it. You need it. Sorry, I don't like. I'm gonna be here every night from now on. You're coming back. Yeah, I promise you. Yeah. Like, but um, no, no, no. Bands like that is kind of what I associate it with. So it was like it was nice to see Queen, and you know it was a different time. So Freddie wasn't exactly out, but but. You, you knew especially you know? at and that time man, let's talk about his bravery yeah at that point it was it was and, and you know unfortunately because of you know a lot of the stigma that was around back then you know he suffered a preventable illness because there was a stigma attached to aids and stuff like that so you no, know how sad and right, right but, yeah but also how beautiful of a of a role model what it, he and such a role model too because like you know there was the man had no fear and when when you're someone who grows up in a in a culture where maybe that sort of thing's not accepted there is mm-hmm. there's fear and so watching queen and and it doesn't matter what you are or who you are you can apply that bravery to anything and so that's what you i can. love about queen just mat, four dudes making just massive stadium rock but mm-hmm. doing it like nobody else was at the time and arguably one of the best bands that ever walked the planet i, I oh, agree yeah. and you know it's it's kind of funny my drummer is a rush um disciple mm-hmm. and uh uh fanatic R- rightfully so rush is great 
But, you know, one time I remember I had a little bit of whiskey, got a little bold. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Queen's better than Rush, man. And it was just a shot in the dark. He would, Apropos of nothing. We're sitting there watching a video. I was like, yeah, Rush sucks. Queen's better. As, as friends do. Yes. Like, I love you, man, but also go to hell. Like, you know, and so... Um, but we got to talking about like why Queen, why, why I thought that was, and you know, because he's like, well, I mean, clearly Neil Peart, like, I mean, the drums, it's just Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor's great, but come on now, you know, one is clearly. I was like, you know, Queen's not great because of their technical ability. They're all phenomenal musicians, technically wise, but it was their 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 song craftsmanship and mm-hmm. and knowing which parts went where and why they went there. That's what I call soul. Yeah. Well, was it, no, th- so something happens Substance. here. I'm going to dissect it briefly because I still have two questions in the gauntlet. Whenever you preface something with a, a technique or <clears throat> craftsmanship, when, whenever you lay out something but immediately apologize for it, you're not paying attention to the craft. The craft is not one-sided. It has never been one-sided. So if you love that stuff, love it. Love whatever you love. No such thing as a guilty just pleasure. Just don't hate. Oh, just don't, don't hate what someone else's loves there's no yeah. point in hating what someone loves yeah. love what you love yeah to take energy to hate what they love is, energy. is asinine yeah malice ain't cute <laughs> that's bad. i mean that's that's more poetic than what i just yeah, said malice I mean, ain't malice. cute yeah, malice ain't cute i'm right don't be no, ugly no it's not God cute. don't like ugly no. <laughs> all right i gotta get to question two is that okay yeah um you want me to do it your biggest musical influence that had nothing to do with music oh gosh that's why we call it the gauntlet. Terrible. You ter- can say mom. That's ter- what I, most people are gonna be like, mom. But but clean but, my drawers. <laughs> no, well maybe <laughs> she just cringed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not yours, but yeah, most she, people are gonna answer that question that way. She used to always I would. be like, you know, you need to clean your room. Your socks crawl out of there on their own. Like you know, <laughs> but what <laughs> what influences your music or has influenced your music or will influence your music? That has nothing to do with music. Oh, I can tell you right now. Go. Uh, movies specifically specifically like all right so one of my I, I you don't really have much of a social life out in in the boonies um and, but there's a lot of tv and a lot of comic books and stuff comic books too but i think movies more than anything because i'm intellectually very lazy and movies are easier to watch than you know comic books are to read but but in a lot of comic books become movies so that counts nowadays <laughs> that's right that's right well you know well, the i think you know the worst B movies that would come on the Sci-Fi Channel. That is lo- that is how I love to spend my time. Like Bigfoot versus Sabretooth for the Sabretoothening, and you know it's the Sabretoothening. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> Charlie's gonna fall <laughs> right over right now. That was, but that that was it, myself. You know, my friends are you coming out like no, no, I'm busy watching Big- Bigfoot rip off the Sabretooth yeah. Tiger's legs. This is awesome stuff, uh, intellectually stimulating. So, no, but yeah, definitely movies. Um, a lot of the time, especially for you know sci-fi epics, because the music in in those movies, I think it gets overlooked a lot. But like you know, you know the Force theme from Star Wars when you hear it. Oh yeah, and just the grandeur and that sort of scope of music. Like I, I'm listening as a kid. I'm listening mm-hmm. to that, mm-hmm. and you can boil that down to even rock music well, if you want I w- to. I would and even say that most kids nowadays could sing you the Avengers theme. Yeah, no, I would agree. As I would they should. Agree with, no, yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, and so that's definitely you know definitely sci-fi movies. Um, there's not enough. Uh, When I listen to music, I want to hear a story. 
I want to hear like a narrative or something or like perspective is super interesting to me. And so when you take these sci-fi and that's kind of what the band is built on, but when you take a lot of these narratives and, and you know, like, uh, you can go all the way back to King Kong, all the way up to the X-Files or something like those. Every every episode of the X-Files can be a song, damn it. I swear to God it can. And I'm going to write them all. <laughs> well, you know, that's, um, yeah, just movies, sci-fi movies, terrible sci-fi. Not, not the big stuff. Okay. The goofy stuff where you can see the, the actor's you know, like sloppy Joe that he had on top of his reptilian <laughs> scale costume that he's wearing or something like that stuff is so cool to me. And that makes such good music. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. That's awesome. It was really verbose, but that's no, uh, yeah. it wasn't that verbose. I, do you I love uh, this last question though. Uh, and I, I want to say, uh, Jeremy came up with this before I read it, but name one opinion that has changed, uh, for you, uh, that you used to be dead set on. Oh man, one eighty. Um, What's your biggest one eighty? This has it doesn't have to be intellectual one eighty, physical yeah. one eighty, like emotional one eighty. What's something you were, you knew for a certain time in your life, and you, you the the one thing you you least expected to change your mind on? You know, it was uh, I think it was the tempo of music specifically. My drummer and I um, kind of went back and forth a lot because you know growing up in you know most pop punk is typically pretty fast. Um, or at least the, the tempo carries and there's an energy and, and there were slow songs I liked, but as far as things I wanted to do as a musician, that the tempo was always up and it was because I was in a desperate sort of personal need to keep the audience, mm-hmm. you know, fist pumping. And, and, and if they weren't, then I wasn't doing something right. But, but what I didn't understand is that slower music allows your audience to be introspective. It allows you to be introspective and it allows you to hear parts you normally wouldn't have heard. Like some of the, some of the, you know, worst fast songs in the world are the best songs in the world when they're played really slow. Mm-hmm. And um, that was one thing, especially playing, being the worst, the, the least talented member of the group I'm in now. Musically. Musically. Yeah. Yeah. That That's one thing that I can So you say self-proclaimed. It's like, what? Well, I, these guys are really good. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I, I believe and, you, but I'm, I'm trying to give you doors to your own sure, I, platform. I pre- well, I'm, I, I'm naturally not very humble. And so I've kind of made it a personal exercise uh, to knock myself off the pedestal as much as I can because, yeah. damn it, no one else deserves to. So, well, they, I mean, it's yeah. arguable. Yeah, there you I go. Get so, it, I get so, it, but, I get but that's how you grow too. And so that was one thing as I as I started to grow. Like, you're wrong about shit. Mm-hmm. Music doesn't always need to be fast. Yep. Sometimes the opposite of what and who you are is going to cause you to grow as a person. Mm. The farthest thing from what's in your comfort zone and your circle is going to push. It's going to make you a much better person. Like I, it's stagnancy is awful, and yep. and I kind of went all over the place with that. But you did no, not no. actually. I think oh, when you sorry. listen back, you're going to hear the theme said three different ways. That's my guess. Okay, rock yeah. and roll. No, good for you, man. I think they're the highly intellectual answers. Right. <laughs> not that, don't not, tell me that. Don't tell not, me that. Not that you're getting graded because that's not the point. But ultimately, uh, everybody comes to a point where they realize they were wrong about something. And you know what we never do? Admit it. Yeah. It's really hard to turn, I think, the mirror towards yourself. That's one of the hardest things you can do as a person. Yeah. And but you walk to it every single day. Well, every day you're like, well, how do I look today? Right. What am I writing today? What am I What am I going to do today? Yeah. But you'll never, you'll never really figure out what you need to work on. Yeah, well, that introspection. Well, you you know you avoid it. And <laughs> Hell yeah. If you're yeah. Any, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, because I, I certainly do, you know, and... 
I don't know. You just, uh, gosh, you start so filled with piss and vinegar in the beginning. And then over time, uh, life really humbles you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're, if, you know, I was lucky enough to have people like, you know, my band, they could have, oh my God, I was intolerable in my early years. I really was. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably still am. I'd ask them not to tell me that, but, (laughs) but, but, um, you know, you, you become very fortunate because you're surrounded by people who, who see that potential in you and they're willing to tolerate Mm -hmm. that sort of immaturity. Mm, Yeah. AJ, will you come back and we'll talk about tolerability yeah yeah not 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 toward you but to when you have supporting musicians that want to do what you do and, and they want to get behind you and, and they want to help you do what you do you should listen to them yes i'm not, not saying they're right but it should become a conversation well that's what community is right that's yeah. community yeah, so, yeah. absolutely and yeah. we need more of it will you come back to the podcast in maybe a year as or six months many or many times as you want as cool. often as you want <laughs> Let's Dude, do it. cheers! Like, cheers to AJ Garrett, ladies and cheers gentlemen. To that. Thank you guys <laughs> so much. and buddies, guys. Hey. Uh, do you want to introduce this song that we're about to listen to? Uh, before yeah, we end things? yeah. This is kind of um, you know we were talking about a lot about sci-fi, and uh, this song was inspired by sci-fi movies I loved, and it's called Sci-Fi Romantic, and it's about being a lonely nerdy dude. So, <laughs> in Newcastle, <Yeah>. in. New- <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Garrett and the Bureau. Thanks for coming, brother. Thanks. We appreciate it. Beats, Bruising Buddies. This is Sci-Fi Romantic. <laughs>